0: You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. everybody, how's everybody doing? Good, hey, I'm gonna start right off the bat with an analogy, can we do that? I got an example for you and I'm gonna need some volunteers, but here's the deal. There's a $10 Starbucks gift card for the winner. So I'm I'm gonna get uh, Austin Fredrickson to come on up and Andrew Conrad, come on up. Come on, let's hear it for these guys. Hey Max, Logan. All right, this is kind of a race, so you got to move a little quicker. Here we go. All right, so we're going to race. It's going to be pretty easy. You're going to stand there. You're going to stand here. So, awesome. You're going to stand right here. And we're going to race, and you guys are going to come over, and you're going to race, and whoever picks this up first wins, okay? Now, hold on a second. This is a blindfold, but only one of you are going to get it. It's part of the analogy, buddy. You're the one getting it. And here's the other thing. I'm gonna spin you around maybe like 10 times for this race. For you, you're just gonna race, all right? You'll get this when I start teaching the word, I promise. You'll understand, this will be an analogy you'll remember for the rest of your life. Are you dizzy yet? Kind Kind of? Okay, on your marks, get set, go. All right, let's hear it for them. Come on. Hey, I'll get you something later. Okay. Just don't fall down the stairs. You need help? Are you good? Still dizzy? All right. High five. Good job. So you're like, what in the world? What was that all about? I want you to have a picture in your mind when we go into this text, um, because life is hard, and. Uh, Things will randomly happen, but how much more so will life be hard and difficult and how uh, more complicated it will be when we are in darkness and when our mind is stirred up and shaken up? And that's the text we're going to find ourselves in this morning. Because the main idea is, is a piggyback off of last week. We were talking about walking as children of the light. That's the context that Paul is coming into. So Paul is the author here. He's writing to a young church, and he's trying to help them understand that once we are saved, we were once darkness, identity. Now we are light. So that's our new identity that he has given us. And he's told us to put off All these things that only bring us darkness, death, destruction, hurt. And then he says, put on these things which bring us life and bring us light into our world. Gives us joy and gives us peace. And so there's this compare and contrast between darkness and light. We see this in Ephesians 5. So if you have a Bible, grab it. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles on the aisles. We'd love for you to hold the word of God in your hand. Uh, also, if you have a smartphone, a tablet, there's an app called the UVersion Bible app. If you go into events, if there's a little tab at the top, if you go into events, uh, you can search for Fort Myers Community Church, and all my sermon notes are on there as well, and all the text we'll be using for today. And so, I want to read to you Ephesians 5.8, because Ephesians 5.8 is Paul's overarching main idea coming into where we're going to be today in verses 15 through 20 so Roman or Ephesians 5 Ephesians 5 verse 8 for at one time you were darkness that was your identity at one time you did not know Christ at one time you were an enemy of God so the definition of your life as someone who does not believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is you are darkness now that's a hard statement for people that don't believe in Jesus to say they are darkness. But but we have to understand that that our culture and our world today is, is trying to get us to think that if we're good people, then we'll get to heaven. That's not actually what the Bible says. It's not about morality. It's about believing in a savior. You can never be good enough to save yourself. You can't. I can't. We need someone external, someone that is a savior. It's, it's as though you you fall over dead. You need someone to go get one of those defibrillators. You can't go get it yourself. You can't shock yourself back to life. And that's what we, we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Now God made us alive in Christ. So he was saying, this is the definition of who you are. You were darkness. But then he says, but now you are Light. Not because you're a good person, but in the Lord. So walk as children of light. And so he goes on this discourse of how do we walk as children of light. He says, don't tell lies, speak truth. He says, don't be unjustly angry, but bring peace into relationship. Encourage one another. Love one another. And then last week we, we saw this, this passage, which was a really uh, big, thick, robust passage that was speaking about sexual immorality and how we give ourselves to the lust of this world and pursuing after things that will never bring us life, but only bring us death. And then we get to verse 15, and this is where we are today. Ephesians 5, verse 15, look carefully, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Think of these two young men that are up on the stage. Look carefully where you walk. Look carefully how you walk, how you're living your life, making the best use of your time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Do not have your mind altered, spinning around so you are dizzy, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence. For Christ. Can I pray for us as we dive into this today? Jesus, we love you. God, this is your word and there's so much goodness in it. If we would just pause for a minute from the busyness of life and the craziness that goes all around us to just sit and understand that you are trying to illuminate to us what it means To find true life. To experience joy and blessing and peace in our lives. God, there's so many things that that we struggle with. There's so many things that uh, are traps that are put in our path. And and God, we know that you are with us as your children and you are protecting us. And so what does it look like for us to walk as your children in the light of of Jesus Christ. And so God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to experience more of you and be transformed by your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we see here in verse 15 that he starts off with this warning. He says, look carefully then how you walk. And that uh, in the Greek can have Uh, a a really um, interesting meaning, And, and this is what it would mean. Beware, be alert, look carefully. Beware, be alert, how you, and Paul uses this terminology over and over again, walk, but it's how you live your life, how you are walking through life, how you are living your life, how you are rotating around the axis, which is Jesus. So beware, be careful, be alert on how you live your life. Why? Well, remember, Paul is a shepherd, Paul is a nurturer. He is someone who deeply cares for this church and these people and us. He's sitting in prison right now, and all he can think about is this church that he's writing to. And he is trying to help them understand and realize and remember that hardship will come. Hardship will come. Life can be hard. We're going to experience hardship, pain, we are constantly surrounded by darkness in life. There are these obstacles that, that, that come before us that we have to navigate and face, whether it's a, a stolen car or, or um, a, a miscarriage or, or something going on in our lives that we have to navigate and, and walk through because of the fallen world that we live in. Hardship will come. Paul, Peter, James, Jesus. They didn't speak of hardship as something that may come in Scripture. They spoke of it knowing it will come. One of my mentors always said, if you aren't just coming out of a hardship, you're either in one right now or you're about to have one. (laughs) It's like something you write in someone's birthday card, right? (laughs) That doesn't sound like good news, but Paul is being very realistic about how life is. We don't know when a pandemic's gonna hit. We can't control every facet of our lives, even though we try. Anybody else control, freaks? I love to control, but I live in a world where I can't control. There is sickness, there is hurt, there is pain, so he knows hardship will come. And he's not advocating and, uh, that, that it is what it is mentality. That that's one of the things that like, oh, it makes me so angry when people are like, oh, it is what it is. Like he's not advocating for that because that's like a throwing up your hands and being like, oh, I just give up on this stuff. No, he wants more. He wants, Paul wants Christ's church to experience more in those hardships. Not just try to get through them so that you can get on to the next good thing. He wants you to experience Christ in those hardships, in that pain, in that hurt he knows that we are going to make bad decisions that will hurt us and cause us pain. We often play the victim mentality. We often have this like, oh, woe is me, I'm the victim. But instead, we're usually the antagonist because we're making really bad decisions really often. And you're like, no, not me. Okay, I, uh, me, I do. But that's how we, we live, and so Paul knows hardship is going to come, so be careful how you live your life. And then verse 16, first part, he says, making the best use of your time. Paul understands this, and we need to as well. Youth, we need to understand this. I know this not even is a thought in your brain, but life is Short. Scripture speaks of it in James 4. It says, life is but a vapor. You know what a vapor is? You know how it's like you wake up in the morning and there's dew on your car, and then like 10 minutes later, it's gone. Life is but a vapor. In in Psalms 114, calls it a passing shadow. Life is short. And this is different than the, the world around us saying like this YOLO mentality Like YOLO, in case you don't know what that means, you only live once. And so people talk about YOLO and they're like, YOLO, just go do crazy things. Just just let yourself go and jump off a bridge and have fun with life. No, 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 no. YOLO is is really a cover-up for stupid. I know we're not supposed to be using that word. Kids don't go home and use it. However, that's what that it's we, we try to cover it up and say, oh, you only live one. No, no, life is short. And Paul's wanting for them to experience what God has for them in life. He's saying, make the best use of your time. There's this charge, and I love how John Piper words words it, and he says, don't waste your life. Don't continually make bad decisions because you think, well, life is short. I might as well do whatever I want to do. But he's saying, don't waste your life. We we had this weekend, we had, um, actually this week, uh, some kids, some young kids, um, they were just hanging out uh, around the facility. We, we actually don't mind that when pe- people are around here, and people go running every day. They're running around these buildings. Um, but these kids were bored, and uh, they started taking stuff and throwing it against the building, and then um, one of them happened to break one of the windows. Um, often, when we're bored, often when we surround ourselves with the wrong friends, often when we... Um, have this mentality of like, it doesn't really matter, I can kind of do what I want to do when I want to do it, and there's no consequences, we end up getting ourselves into big trouble. And so what happens is, is Paul is encouraging them to live their lives with intentionality. He's encouraging to live their lives in wisdom, to the glory of God, filled with the Spirit that dwells within them. He's saying, don't just live in this way where you think there's no consequences to how you live and how you act, but actually live with intentionality. Live in such a way where you are trying to proclaim God's glory to the world around you. We all make dumb mistakes and we all do things that are foolish. And then he gets to that. Look at the second part of verse 16. He says, why make the best use, uh, best use of your time? Because hardship's gonna come. Life is short. And then he says this in verse 16. The days are evil. He recognizes that the devil is real. I think we often live our lives as if there's no enemy that's out trying to get us. But the devil seeks to destroy us, for those that are believers and for those that are unbelievers. The devil is trying to destroy every single person. John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter five eight, he is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, I love watching nature shows. I put them on all the time, but when you like It's fun to watch because I'm not the gazelle. But when the tiger and the jaguar and the alligator and the lion get down ready to attack, you do not want to be the prey. And that's who we are. Are we tracking? He is looking to attack, He wants you to waste your life. He wants you to just, I don't know, I'm just gonna live, however, wherever, until I die, I guess. That's what he wants. And, and Paul is reminding us that God has a better way. And we have to remember that the world we live in right now is ruled by the prince of darkness for some reason. God has allowed the devil to remain in existence for a short period. And this should not scare us. Why? Because, number one, the devil is not all powerful, all knowing, and everywhere. I'm going to say that again because I think we fail to understand this. God is all knowing, he knows all. He is all-powerful. He can accomplish whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he is everywhere. The big theological term for that is he is sovereign. The devil is not that. And so sometimes I think we take those attributes and we think, well, the counterpart to God is the devil, and then we take all these attributes of God and just flip them and put the opposite on. That's not how it works. Like, the devil's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing, and he's not everywhere. We serve a God who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, and he is everywhere. Our God has already defeated the devil, and for some reason in his sovereignty, he has allowed him to stay in existence for a short time. But that short time is coming to an end. Whatever power the devil has, it is controlled and allowed by God. Something that I don't think any of us will be able to fully wrap our minds around while we live on this earth. But it is, he is controlled by God. We see this in the story of Job. The story of Job is of a man who sought after God's heart. And the devil comes into God's presence and God allows him to afflict Job. But he also protects Job in that. So we have to remember that he's, he's like a dog on a leash. He can only go so far. And often in our lives, we give him way too much power. So here's the last thing I want to say about this. We voluntarily... Subject ourselves to the devil's power over us. We voluntarily give him footholds into our lives where we allow him to have power over us. We give ourselves to the things that God warns will bring us death. He says, Don't lust. That won't bring you life, but we lust. He says, Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. But we do, and we continually allow the devil these footholds into our lives with bitterness and anger. God says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. But with prayer and petitioning, make your requests known to God, yet we get anxious when we don't know what's about to happen. And instead of going to God in prayer, like serious prayer, not like, God, please help me, prayer, but actually getting on our knees with his word and sitting with him, and taking him in, what we do is we end up just kind of throwing up a, a Hail Mary saying, well, if you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And we think that that's petitioning and prayer. And we give the devil these footholds into our lives to, to make us anxious and depressed and hurt and bitter. And I love what Louis Giglio says. He, he coins the phrase like this. He says, we give him a seat at the table. Imagine you and your wife or, or you and your family are sitting down at Jason's Deli. If you're going out with your wife, you need a better place than that, right? So, but say it's your family. Um, if you're taking single guys, if you're taking a girl out on a date, not Jason's Deli, all right? Kristoff's is a good spot, off McGregor. Um, so, it's like you're sitting there and all of a sudden the devil just comes down and pulls up a chair. And you want to know something? We, we, we've painted him in our, in our society as like this like super mean, like, like he's coming with like fire and a pitchfork and he's yelling at you and screaming at you. He's sly. He is very cunning. He doesn't come in like trying to like upheaval everything. No, 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 no. He sits and he pulls up a plate and he joins in the conversation And he actually doesn't want to take your focus and put it all on him, which is a crazy thing about how he operates. He wants to place your focus on you. So he wants you to believe that the whole world revolves around you and your desires and your wants. Look at Adam and Eve. The serpent doesn't come and be like, look how awesome I am. I'm a serpent. And at that time I had legs, right? He's not putting all the focus on him. He's not saying, look how wise I am. I'm a crafty serpent. No, no, no. He goes, hey, don't you want more for you? I know. Didn't God say you can't enjoy anything in this whole place? He comes in super sly. He's a trickster. And he wants you to believe that you're the center of the universe, that everything revolves around you. And you know what? Your wife, she doesn't revolve around you. And so you deserve to be happy. So you need to blank. Or your husband, he's not providing for your every need. So then you need to blank. Kids, this is what the world's selling you. If you don't have all the new coolest things, then your parents don't love you. It's all about you and what you want. If you want it, go get it. That's what the devil's doing. He's working in the background with the commercials and the media and all the flipping on the Instagram and the, and the Facebook, and he wants you to think, my life is dumb, my life stinks, and I want more for me. I need to go get for me. He wants to turn your attention on you. So he comes to steal, kill, and destroy He wants to control your mind and your heart. He's not operating like a bully. He's actually smart. And he knows your weak points. And he's waiting for you to just let him in the door just a little bit. So in verses 15 through 18, Paul issues this warning. And here's the warning watch out for the traps. Watch out for the traps. So, if you're out, um, if you're in like survival mode in the woods, and um, there are these things that are called um, trapping holes, and what they used to do, or in what we some still do today, is they dig these big holes. And then they cover it with brush so that way you can't really see that it's there. And if they're really good, it just kind of looks like the surrounding area. This is what it looks like before they cover it with either mud or grass or hay and leaves and stuff so that when you're walking down the path, uh, hopefully they're aiming for animals, right? When an animal is walking down the path, they don't see this hole. They step on top of this area and fall straight through and they land in this hole where then they can catch their prey. And so he's saying, watch out for these traps. But God doesn't just tell us to watch out for the traps, He actually gives us the map to tell us where these traps are. And what they're going to be. And over the whole summer, and, and you may need to go back and listen, it's all online. We have a podcast. If you go on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can pull up our church, Fort Myers Community Church, and listen to the, the sermons this summer. Uh, Tim spoke, Ben spoke, Mark spoke. They did phenomenal jobs articulating Ephesians 4 and 5 about these traps that we're going to experience. Today, we're just going to look at the three that are in this passage. And here they are, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Why? Because there's a trap. Not as unwise, but as wise. So here's this, these twofold. He's saying here's the trap, you being unwise. Here's the treasure map. Be wise. Be careful how you live your life. Listening to God's instruction versus ignoring his instructions. God knows what life and death will bring. He created it. He knows what will bring you joy. He knows what will bring you peace. And he puts these things before us and says, live according to my word. How can we live according to his word if we're not reading it? How can we live according to the things that he says will bring life if we don't know what they are? We have to be in this on a daily basis. This is one of the things I want my kids to learn and understand is that in here, there's life found. On their iPads, It's not. This is where we find life. We're not finding life on Fox News or CNN. We're finding life in God's word. So he's saying, know this. Live in wisdom. So we can take this unwise thing to social media. There's a lot of unwise things posted on social media. I constantly get bombarded by people sending me articles and things, and you're just like, why are you reading this stuff? Go to the word of God. And then live as Wise, not unwise. If you're angry, don't send that text. If you're angry, don't send that email. When you're driving, don't text. <laughs> live as wise. Don't be a distracted driver. Live with wisdom. Don't just think that you're um, an exception to the rule, but live with wisdom. Wisdom. And then he goes on in verse 17. Look what he says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And this goes back to what I was saying about the devil trying to attack us. Foolishness is self-glorification. Foolishness is us focusing on ourselves and making the world revolve around us. Understanding is looking towards God's will and living for God's glory. The word foolishness in the Greek in the original text means lacking perspective because it is short-sighted, not understanding the overall picture. The overall picture is that there is a God who loves humanity, men and women, so much that he sent himself wrapped in human flesh. He came down to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a death that none of us could die, a death that was a death of perfection, And then he defeated death by raising again into the newness of life. He did that because he loves us. And he says, live for my glory, not your own glory. And so foolishness is us living for ourselves. Wisdom and understanding is living for his glory and his name. See, if I knew the big picture growing up, I would have probably made things a lot easier for myself. Growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. Why did I want to be a lawyer? Not because I was good with words, but because I wanted money. I wanted the penthouse in New York. That's where I was going to go be a lawyer, in New York City. I wanted the Dodge Viper. It's a weird car now, but that's what I wanted back then. Some of you are like, a Dodge Viper, what's that? But that's, that's just what I wanted. That's what, 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 what brought me life in that time. But to be a pastor? My first, my first job opportunity was $18,000 a year as a pastor. 18,000, like, that barely paid for me to live. But being a lawyer, like, for me, that was the, the goal. Like, I wanted to live in the pent, I wanted the clapper. You remember what that was? Like, I wanted my lights to have that so I could walk in and clap, and my lights just turned on. But I, I didn't have the foresight to know that what that would have brought me was not my bride was not my four beautiful girls. See, I didn't see that big picture. I didn't think, man, if I serve the Lord, then God is going to bring me things that I could never ask, think, or imagine. What I wanted was self-glorification. I wanted my, my name in the books as the most successful blah, blah, blah. I wasn't thinking about living my life for someone else's glory. But that's what this word means. Foolishness is lacking perspective because you're short-sighted, not understanding the overall picture. And then he goes into drunkenness, debauchery. Verse 18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit. Filled either what numbs the mind, alters the mind, or filled with what brings life to the mind. Drinking, alcohol, substance abuse, it is just a temporary Band-Aid on a gashing wound. Often people try to run from reality with alcohol. I've had many friends in my life that call themselves casual drinkers and would drink five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten beers when they came home from work, and then on the weekends it just started earlier because they didn't have to work. So it started at 11, so maybe it was a whole case by the end of the day and they were functional drunks. They could, you could walk around and, and, and kind of live their life normally and you, you wouldn't really suspect much. But, but here's what we know. It's the number one abused substance in the US, alcohol. 52.5% of the population identifies as drinkers, over 50%. It's top three in accidents, number one in the cause of rape, abuse, and depression abuse of kids and suicide skyrocketed when the pandemic hit. And kids and parents were put into their homes together and alcohol use took off exponentially. To cope. To have to deal with the craziness of kids, which led to to crazy amounts of abuse and suicide in early teens. This stuff is not supposed to make your life better. And I know we can often say, well, I just, I just, I just, but sit before the Lord and allow him to bring conviction. And this this is not an advocation me saying here, you can't drink it all. I'm not coming and saying that I'm not saying the Bible says you can't drink. What I'm saying is, is there is wisdom and there is understanding in the will of the Lord and then there is foolishness and a lack of wisdom. And often we don't let the Lord fill us. Often when we are depressed, when we are anxious, when we are dealing with stuff, we are quicker to go to a bottle than to the Lord. And what does he say? Here's the trap, don't get drunk. What is the treasure map? He says, be filled with the Spirit. Are we spending our time, and this is a legit question, pursuing Jesus and his word in such a way that we even understand what it means to be filled by the Spirit? Have we just watched a couple of sermons online or heard a couple people teach on it and then think, like, oh, we know all there is to know about the Holy Spirit? Have we actually sat with the word of God and said, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. All of this depression, all of this anxiety, all of this hurt that I'm experiencing. I want you to take it. Not try to just mask it over with a band-aid. So either we can try to fill the emptiness and loneliness and anxiety with substances that leave us empty or do what God desires for us, which is to be filled with what satisfies and fulfills. So he says, let the Spirit fill you. And as the Spirit fills you, we will, verse 19, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Celebrate no matter what. Even though life will be hard, Paul is sitting in a prison, and still he is taking every opportunity to tell people about Jesus, and he's singing songs in that prison, and we have accounts of that in Scripture. When he's imprisoned, he is just singing at the top of his lungs, and the jail cell people and the other inmates are all wondering, who is this guy, and what does he have that I don't have? Because in the worst situation, he is finding joy and life and peace. Because he knows that there's a God who loves him and that this world is not his home. And he's looking towards forever because life is short and hardships will come and the devil's going to attack. But he knows that God will give him life. And he knows that it's in God that he will find peace and hope and joy. We can't look to anything else for that. I can't even look to my wife, although she brings me all the joy in my world. If all of my hope is in her fulfilling my every need, she will crumble under that pressure. God did not create her in such a way where she will be the one that will fulfill my every desire and my every need. He is the only one that can do that. And as I pursue him and enjoy him, then I can pursue and enjoy my wife. It's out of an overflow of my understanding of who he is that I can then enjoy my wife and my kids and my neighbors and my coworkers, even in the hardships. So celebrate no matter what. Give thanks in all seasons. Why do I say all seasons? Because he says that. Look at verse 19. He says, um, giving thanks always and for everything to God. He knows that gonna, part of that everything is everything. He's not just saying, praise God for all the good stuff that comes. That everything is all inclusive. Good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows it's going to come, and so he's saying, give thanks for all things, but pursue the Lord above all else. Pursue his glory above all else. Why? Going back to verse 8, because you are in Christ. Jesus died to remove every ounce of power that the devil thought that he had. So look at verse 8 again. You are no longer darkness, but now you are light. So, church, beloved children of God, walk as children of light. We are light in the midst of darkness. And I love this picture. It's going to come on up. It's a picture of the United States. And I was talking to some people about it this week. Um, If those lights weren't there, it would actually be a pretty dark picture. This is nighttime on um, America right now. A picture of that from space. We get to be that light. The devil seeks to kill, steal, and destroy that light. So he is after each and every one of us because he wants to put that light out. But we are to be beacons of hope, beacons of joy, beacons of peace to the lost and dying world around us. Not to act like everything is just peachy keen, right? He's not saying to be fake. He's saying, trust the Lord in all circumstances, all things, and be beacons of hope to a lost and dying world because we are light in the midst of darkness. Amen? Can I pray for us? Jesus, we pray that you would help us carefully look how we live our lives and walk, that we would not be unwise but we would be wise that we would not be foolish but we would understand what your will is and that we would not try to mask over our pain with um, substances and the things of this world but actually that we would press into your spirit and allow your spirit to fill us that we would press into community and let the community bring us life and hope and peace and joy we weren't meant to do this alone, so if there's anybody here today that is struggling with substance abuse, with addiction, I pray that this would be a safe place for them to come and say, I need help. Even if someone's on the cusp where they're like, I don't know, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's not, that they would come and that they would find hope and life and peace within the family that you have provided. God, there is nothing shameful about coming to a brother and a sister and confessing and repenting of the things that have kept us living in the darkness. God, that is such a beautiful, beautiful moment when your spirit stirs in such a way where you begin to shine light into someone's darkness and then they come and they allow it to be exposed as we saw last week. So God, God, I pray that you would do a work in the life of our church, in our community, God, in all of the churches in our community that stand firm on your gospel, where we don't have to earn your favor, but where we receive your favor through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the finished work on the cross by Jesus Christ. God, I pray that, that we as a church community at, as a whole would begin to experience freedom. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from hurts and habits and hangups. And that we would experience what it means to be a family in you. That we wouldn't keep trying to do this on our own, but that we would experience the goodness of being brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to take communion. And here's why we're going to take communion today. Because this is good news. If you have an addiction... Any way, shape, or form, anything that you go to to control loneliness, hurt, habits, any bitterness, resentment, Jesus died for you, and he loves you, and he forgives you, and he's completed that forgiveness on his cross by allowing his body to be broken for you and his blood poured out for you. So we do this in remembrance of him. So we come forward and we take bread and we dip it in the cup, we pray and we thank the Lord and we celebrate. Right? That's what that what, what verse nineteen and twenty. We celebrate through song, through hymns, through spiritual songs, and remembering with the sacrament of communion what God has done for us. Because whatever addiction you may have experienced in your life, whatever hurt you've experienced, His blood covers it, and He has open arms ready to say, "Hey, together, let's find freedom and family." through the power and work of Jesus. Amen. So whenever you're ready, take your time you and come. We also have some gluten-free options and we're we don't. Uh, we're getting a new shipment in, but um, the little cups, there's a wafer on top and some juice in it, those are gluten-free. So we would leave those for those that need gluten-free um, and we would partake uh, together. Let's join in worship together.